Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm so excited because this is the night of the week that I get to talk to Richard and Michael. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. I'm doing great. You're doing yeah, great? I'm doing good. Yes. I'm good. fine. I'm acceptable. <laughs> okay. I'm at a perfectly acceptable level during week whatever the fuck we're in of the pandemic. Richard, is... what's, what, what's the opening theme song of... Um, uh, the kids in the hall. We're having an average, having an average weekend. We're having <laughs> yes. an average pandemic. It's quarantine. We're having an average quarantine. <laughs> well, uh, we listeners, listener, we are talking to you on Blair's Day, the forty seventh of March, February. <laughs> uh, feels like an unending blur of days, but uh, uh, the time that I get to talk to Michael and Richard about uh, their Mount Rushmore of anything is exciting. And you know what, I. I'm excited because tonight we are talking about the Mount Rushmore of like the toughest guys. And this was I'm so Michael. glad you got the accurate title. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to mess up like the no. toughest guys. <laughs> I, I, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Why'd you choose it? Well, um, two reasons. One reason is one of the picks I have, but another reason um, I've been reading a book to uh, my child, Felix, that's called, um, Tough Guys Have Feelings Too by a uh, writer named Keith um, Negley. And it's all about, uh, it's like this, you know, these individual vignettes of these wrestlers who are crying and uh, <laughs> a knight who has broken his sword and a motorcycle man who has run over a squirrel and oh. a race car driver who loses a race and these ninjas that are fighting with each other. And it's just, it's all about, you know, how even all the toughest people in the world, um, can cry and have feelings, you know, trying to build this kid up emotionally to be okay with um, being mad and sad and all this stuff. Um, but then uh, I saw a movie recently, uh, one of my longtime favorite movies, and it was like, oh my God, that is like the toughest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then. So, you know, it's a little bit of each side of the coin you're trying yeah. to. So, of course, that's why my first pick is Morrissey. No, I'm kidding. Uh, right. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump right in. Richard, what's your first choice? Well, okay. like the toughest guys. All right, so I know that we could, in theory, have picked fictional or real characters. I went all real. I was just oh, more... That's... I just found myself to be more intrigued by a real-life tough guy than anything that was on screen. Yeah. The only the only thing that I excluded from my, my potential list was, like, superheroes. I guess uh, I didn't want to get yeah. into like a an argument or a discussion on like, but you know the Silver Surfer really is made out of you know uh, impenetrable skin and he's technically the toughest you know I, yeah that was I didn't want to go down that path so I'm glad you kept it a little bit more realistic uh, right and my first choice is Senator John McCain oh wow awesome I okay. mean look we're I'm not going to get into his politics I, I that's that's for a podcast on another day, whether he was as much of a maverick as his reputation uh, would claim that he would be, at least in terms of his political career. Um, but the guy toughed out five and a half years in, the, in, in as a POW in North Vietnam, including putting in several months in the Hanoi Hilton. That's a tough guy to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've... I've read the stories about him when he his time during being in in a POW camp uh, during the Vietnam War, and just the you know the fact that he 
had the opportunity to leave early because his dad was admiral and he turned it down and basically said no if you're if you're going to release anybody release us in terms of you know when people first got here so i'm gonna i'm not gonna go and i just man i would have cracked after like 20 minutes oh yeah i just i just there is i like my country well enough and all i mean uh, you might even say I love my country. Yeah. But enough to put I, it up I, with I, daily, daily beatings? No thanks, Skipper. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm out on that one. <laughs> what uh, why so I don't think of you as a what's cool about this is you I perceive you to be uh, reaching across party lines here perhaps. And he's, Oh sure. Yeah, okay. So that's kind well, of an open one I, I think. Well, I think this is a terrible pick because um as we all know um, I like guys who don't get captured. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is th- the most unfortunate thing about John McClain. Mc- John McClain. John McClain. Who, uh, See, he also uh, got maybe, captured. Maybe, <laughs> maybe spo- spoiler alert, that might come up later on. But um, John McCain, um, it's unfortunate that so much of our uh, recent history is just stained with like the thoughts of a moron. And like, yeah. I unfortunately like, sure – he was, you know, the Republican and believed in a lot of things that I didn't believe in. But like, man, to have your entire legacy just tinged by like this asshole who's just says the stupidest shit. And it's just so unfortunate for like human history to like well, think of all ass- the different people that he's <laughs> that he's like shat upon just right. recently because he just learned about what they did. It's an idiot sandwich because he has Sarah Palin on the other side, doesn't he? Mm. John well, McCain. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. there is a if you get a chance to see the movie HBO movie about the presidential election and the choice of Sarah Palin as his vice presidential candidate, it's fascinating. It's fascinating how he basically was cajoled into this. Didn't really want her as his pick. Didn't really think she was mm-hmm. qualified. Um, so that's again, that's politics. I'm leaving that aside. I'm yeah. talking more about John McCain. The the uh, the war hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man couldn't lift his arms over his over his shoulders for the rest of his life. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, the hell cool. of a jack. He he couldn't you know, he couldn't do a full dive into a pool, but he could do a hell of a jackknife. That's true. <laughs> his cannonball. When you, spe- when you start, yeah, when we specialize in jackknives and cannonballs mm-hmm. going forward. Winfield, what's your first choice? Well, I have a rare first choice of someone who's on the actual Mount Rushmore, and that is, of course, um, Theodore yes. Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. Sure. Who um, he was like a tough guy from when he was a kid because he had like this uh, uh, terrible asthma that he just kind of like fought off, that he just like grew out of, he just and scared, he just kind of scared it away. <laughs> he out toughed asthma, which <laughs> right. is. Just, which is just like an incredible thing that you're like, or like once you do that, when you're in your, uh, you know, late boyhood, early teens, it's like, oh, I guess the sky's the limit. And, you know, literally for this guy, he went on to become a politician. And then at some point kind of failed at that a little bit. And then it was like, okay, now I'm going to be a cowboy. Yeah. And like just the decision that you make in life where you're just like, well, I didn't, I didn't do well here. I'm going to be a cowboy and then you become president. He, it's just, you're literally starting to like tick off the things that are in like a coloring book of like, what, what kind of job do you want to be? I don't know. 
uh, in the army and uh, a cowboy and the yeah. president and also a boxer and maybe wrestled bears. Who knows? He's mm-hmm. also one of those great, like tough guy characters in real life who you can almost believe, you can almost believe anything that happened to him. And it's like, Oh yeah, he t- arm wrestled a bear and he, he didn't win, but he got close and he didn't die. And you're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's so Rooseveltian. Mm-hmm. You know, you uh, could, you can make a case. You, you could make a case for three of the four presidents that are on Mount Rushmore as mm-hmm. being like tough guys. Yeah. Lincoln, I mean, with, with the Lincoln was, leg lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Lincoln leg lock, as we've discussed yeah. and being this general woodsman kind of frontiers guy and Washington being a, a kick-ass soldier Jefferson, not so much. Kind of a dandy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely with, with Teddy Roosevelt. I think this is a strong first pick, Michael. Thank you. Um, Teddy was Roosevelt, he- too, was, is like a, was like a tough guy in glasses, too. Like he could just, like it doesn't True. matter what he, like at, at, one, at, no, at every point in his career was like, oh, yeah, now he's like an environmentalist or uh, he was into um, conservation, at least. Not necessarily environmentalist, but like. It's he's he's literally like a comic book character. Yeah, I uh, a buddy of mine, um, Daniel O'Brien, wrote a book called How to Fight Presidents, um, and <laughs> and Roosevelt is the end guy. Roosevelt is the boss. He's the last boss. <laughs> yeah, he's the last boss. Um, basically, did talk about how as a uh, youth he uh, beat asthma. Um, Basically, by just you know taking a boxing and wrestling, he's so determined to um, overcome asthma to kick its ass, uh, and then just kind of spend his life deciding I'm going to beat everything up. Um, and <laughs> as as he O'Brien writes, he's uh, he take he took whatever path seemed harshest and most dangerous, surrounding himself with whatever inspired the most terror in italics and parentheses like batman you guys <laughs> so so he, he summed up his life philosophy and his sphere immersive approach to life simply man does man does in fact become fearless by sheer dint of practicing fearless like holy fearlessness so yeah so um i think that's pretty amazing i think like oh how do you become fearless just by every day com- confronting the scariest shit in the world. A cattle rancher, a deputy sheriff, an explorer, a police commissioner, the assistant secretary of the Navy, the governor of New York, and a war hero, and a cowboy, as you said. Um, his his mother and wife died on the exact same day, and while some people just lock themselves up in a room and cry, um, he left his home behind and moved out into a wild, untamed area. He went out west to work as a cowboy. Like, wow, crazy. <laughs> What a ballsy, what a ballsy dude. He didn't maybe have bones. Maybe not the best father, but like, yeah, you know, well, yeah. well, good cowboy. Yeah, no bone spurs uh, on that guy. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. Uh, anything else on that one? Moving on. Yeah. Manfredi. Moving on. All right. My second one is kind of goes in the vein of an actor who is known for portraying a tough guy and was also a tough guy in real life. And the man I'm talking about is Charles Chuck Bronson. Oh, right on. Um, best known for, I, I guess, right, for portraying Paul Kersey, the architect turned uh, vigilante of the Dis- yeah. Death Wish series. Yeah. Um, and let's be honest. If you saw Charles Bronson walking down the street, would you mess with him? 
Yeah. I mean, now probably because he's been dead for 15, <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. But well, you, don't want, you don't want zombie Bronson going after you either. That's a tough. That's a tough zombie out. Even though he was eighty-one yeah. or whatever he was when he uh-huh. died, you, that's still that's a tough draw. If that's the one you get. Yeah. Um, but also someone who who was a, a legitimate tough guy in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up during an extreme po- poverty during the Great Depression. Uh, was uh, family was a Lithuanian immigrants, and he learned to speak English when he was a teenager. Um. He was, his family was so poor that he actually had to wear his sister's dresses to go to school at one point. So that right there. Yeah. Anyone who, anyone who can survive growing up in the Great Depression wearing dresses to school probably got in his share of fistfights, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, wound up uh, enlisting in the U.S. Air Force during World War II and uh, won a Purple Heart for uh, wounds that he received as a, uh, as a combat pilot during the war and to me it's just charles bronson growing up was like the epitome of the taciturn kind of cool but more than anything else just hard as nails badass guy yeah that's interesting that was looking i'm looking through his filmography and like i don't know if i've ever seen I mean, okay, the Great uh, Escape, Magnificent, yeah, 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 Mag- Great Escape, Magnificent Seven. Okay, some of the yeah. his early work, but once he like got into like the kind of seventies crime, what he's kind of best known for. I don't think I've seen like Death Wish or any oh. of. Really, first I, one's but, pretty great. It gets pretty, it gets sure. pretty dodgy by the time you hit like number De- twelve. Death with Death with Death Wish for the Crackdown. Yeah, it's it gets a little like there's mm. no there's no there's no story there. It's just two hours of Charles Bronson blowing away bad guy blowing away bad guys. He definitely has like the like the image like you say Charles Bronson. You're like, oh yeah, that guy's that was he was a he was a tough guy. And then I realized, oh, I've seen like maybe an you know two hours total of his <laughs> on screen work. And you're, it's amazing how uh, such a personality can kind of dominate even through like not being totally visible or totally acknowledged, you know, I don't know. There's something there. Yeah. He, I really, I was going to say, I really thought about using Paul Kersey, by the way, as the, as my choice, mm. but there's that, there's something about, like you said, Charles Bronson, just as a person and as a kind of an image that I think transcends that one character that he played, they kind of meld into each other in a yeah. way that even someone like, I don't know, Sylvester Stallone or Schwarzenegger who played tough guys in the eighties you still kind of knew they were acting as tough guys. Like there was oh, no for sure. real thought that they were going to win in a fist fight or we're going to pull out a knife and shiv you. Very good chance that Charles Bronson would have done that, or at least that's the image that he portrayed, I think, to the rest of the world. His uh, film of, <laughs> has 15 films with his wife, Jill Ireland, and I think that's this book I'm reading about by Erwin Winkler talks about how he just bullied everybody into hiring his wife, Jill Ireland. <laughs> so, oh, really? So, yeah, so he was tough enough to say, you are going to hire my wife <laughs> in 15 movies. Um, there's a great, if you're a fan of Charles Grodin, you're a rare person, but if you like his autobiography, <laughs> his autobiographies are so fun. There's a story about how Charles Grodin uh, 
kind of improbably in, earlier in his career was a TV Western heavy. Uh, and one of his attributes um, that gave him such gravitas was his low voice. And he recalls a scene he filmed on Have Gun, Will Travel or Bonanza or Gunsmoke where he was in a posse with Charles Bronson and Charles Bronson out low voiced him so severely <laughs> he lost the mantle of, of Western heavy because Bronson could just, you know, Groden would say, I think we should round him off on the, at the pass. And, and Bronson would say, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> and they just kept out, out lowering each other. until Bronson <laughs> won. Hey, uh, so he, yeah. Yeah, and Charles Bronson, I didn't know this until doing a little bit of research was offered the role of the man with no name in the Fistful of Dollars uh, trilogy. Oh. And uh, turned it down because he thought the script was bad. Oh. <laughs> so maybe not the best reader of, of scripts. Yeah. Yeah. Tough guy, maybe not a great reader. Yeah. Uh, cool. Cool choice. Uh, right. Uh, you got some macho dudes, Richard. These are some macho dudes so far. Well, they're like tough guys. They're tough guys. Yeah, yeah. they're like yeah. tough guys. Yeah, well, it's not emotional. They're like the toughest guy. <laughs> they're like, they're like yeah. the toughest guy. Uh, well, they're not bad dudes. They're uh, tough guys. Oh, I, I could have chosen two, all, both bad dudes from the video Knocked game. Knocked them off right dudes. there, yeah. <laughs> and gotten two great choices. Uh, all right, Winfield. I could have gone through the entire cast of Golden Axe and been like, oh, uh, I got the, the warrior <laughs> and the dwarf and the elf, uh, the wizard. I'm drafting. I'm drafting the entire <laughs> Konami video game yeah. franchise. Everyone in it, and that's just everyone. It. You've got Contra Player Two. You've got. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Winfield, what's your second choice? Well, I flubbed this name earlier. Um, maybe it was uh, subconsciously wanting to talk about um, John McClane from the Die Hard series. Of films. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe less so Die Hard. Four, which I can't remember the name of, Die Hardest, mm-hmm. or maybe that was a, that Die Hard with a Vengeance, or Live, live free, free or Die live Hard, Free or Die Hard, one of those that's, two. I thought it's The Edge of Insanity. No, that's Bridget Jones. <laughs> but at least from the first three Die Hard movies, uh, John McClane is a great character because he is like the everyman tough guy. You know, sure he does like you know heroic things, but he's not built like. Um, Schwarzenegger or Ram or Rambo or Stallone or some of these yeah. other guys that like there was an era in the you know mid to late eighties where the the look was over muscled uh you know you you had to look like you could lift up a cow in order to you know I guess defeat yeah. fill in the blank Russians but like you know uh, the uh, Bruce Willis as an actor. You know, I, I, we might have talked about it on the podcast before, but like, or it's been talked about on every podcast before, but his casting was, you know, kind of really kind of looked down upon because he was this comedian coming off of moonlighting. Yeah. And for him to do a big dramatic action role was like a big gamble of sorts. But um, the everymanness combined with the everymanness being a tough guy who's running through broken glass or jumping down elevator shafts or, you know, uh, lighting up a, a, a darkened uh, uh, airline runway with mm-hmm. flames and, you know, doing all, all the shit that he does in the course of a number of movies is like, 
it's it kind of is just right on the edge of believability, which I think is what makes it work and what makes him as a character and as a character played by Bruce Willis, like an extra tough guy. Cause he's, he's almost breaking. He's like almost breaking the entire time, but he's kind of hanging tough this throughout. And I think it's just um, really good as a tough guy. Mm-hmm. You look yeah. at like Arn, you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's like, okay, you, when the bullets bounce off him, you're like, that's fine. When he's lifting up the giant heavy sword and slicing someone in two, you're like, okay, yeah, he's supposed to be doing that. But when, uh, you know, the person is hanging on by their fingertips and they look like your uh, kind of loser uncle, you're like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, the the every manness, but also that uh, sense that whatever it is, the grit and determination at heart is something that um, he's not a tank. He's just like Toyota Corolla going around. Right. He's got he's got to be tough to make it through. The I read that the the film was sent out to Eastwood, and he didn't get the humor in it, so he passed on it, which is funny because it almost seems like uh, Eastwood would that have guy made been... a movie with an orangutan. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> two of them, <clears throat> a uh, sequel even. <laughs> that is a funny observation. I I will say that element has grown the last of the diehard films that i saw he a, a film a, a building is demolished and he's inside of it and he falls a hundred feet <laughs> in a, a cement building he, he and his son get up and dust dust themselves off and get back to work so yeah i think right. the last one i saw he rode a motorcycle off of a thing onto like the wing of a harrier jet and it was like ah oh, i mean tom cruise doing this in a mission impossible is fine but like that seemed like a bridge too far. Oh, yeah, what's, yeah. what's the thing about Die Hard that probably is the evokes the most visceral reaction of nope, wouldn't do that. Mm. It's him having to walk across a floor broken of glass. broken glass. In yeah. yeah, that's that's a tough guy thing, but that's not a tough guy thing that requires you to be like some action hero, super stuntman guy. You just got to be balls out crazy to do that yeah because you know because you know that feeling when it's just legos yeah <laughs> that's then, bad <laughs> that's bad and then when you know it's broken glass it's even he does defeat a ballet dancer and alan rickman so <laughs> you know he must be tough <laughs> uh, okay gents oh, we are man. at our halftime and this is the mount rushmore <laughs> Mount Rushmore. <laughs> uh, you've, you've been defeated by English, Jeff. <laughs> this is a Mount Rushmore of like the toughest guys, and we would like you to uh, go out and download, rate, and review past episodes. We really want to hear what you think about it, and we would love to see you join us out on the social media platforms of Facebook, of Twitter, of Instagram to share with us your suggestions for future episodes that would be such a cool thing to chat with you and talk with you and engage with you and get your thoughts and feelings and suggestions for how we can shape the podcast in a way that you would dig it we'd love it we'd love to know we'd love to know what you think uh, Richard, so- i love i yeah. love when jeff does these promo reads and he closes his eyes like he's reading it off in sides of his eyelids <laughs> Right, like he's got... He just like can't a, be distracted tel- by our good looks. Huh? A teleprompter in his mind that's just going. Speaking of good looks, 
Oh, oh look at that. A cameo. Mrs. Jeff Popkins. Mrs. Jeff She has never been called in her life and is going to stab Mr. Jeff Hopkins in the middle of the night now. If 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 I was the John, she'd be the Yoko, but I'm not even the George of this band. So. You're maybe Pete Best. Maybe Pete Best. <laughs> Which makes but, you the best. Is what it makes you the best. Say. All right, bros. So we are back, and it's Manfredi with his third choice. All right, my third choice is Mr. Robert Craig Knievel. Oh, known, my gosh. Better known oh. as Evil Knievel. That's pretty uh, awesome. A motorcycle hall of fame inductee in 1999, but most importantly, <laughs> there's a motorcycle. <laughs> wouldn't you go to that? Is it mostly bi- is it mostly bikes? And they just thought we'll add a couple of rioters just for fun. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Um, mostly famous for his 75 ramp to ramp motorcycle jumps that he attempted in his career. Um, I would argue that he is more famous for the ones that he attempted and failed at oh, yeah. than anything he was actually successful at, mm-hmm. including his rocket motorcycle attempt to go over the Snake River. The Snake River, yeah. In in Idaho. Um, and someone who just broke a lot of bones. He sure did. Yeah, he, uh, you know, the first really bad, I remember the, or actually, I don't remember it, but. I, I, you watch the footage of his Caesar's Palace crash when he attempted to jump the fountains. Yeah. And when he lands, you can literally see the bones breaking, like bone by yeah. bone in slow motion. Oh, there goes his femur. Oh, oh there goes his humerus. Oh, yeah. there, you know, as he like just ragdolls onto the ground and flails about. And I did not know this, but that footage was actually shot by one Miss Linda Evans of Dynasty fame. What? Yeah, her husband at the time was uh, John Derrick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Evil Knievel had hired John Derrick to shoot footage of it. Uh And so John Derrick gave a camera to Linda Evans and said, here, you record the uh, landing. Wow. So one of the most iconic iconic pieces of of footage shot by Linda Evans. (laughs) Um. (laughs) My personal favorite is when he attempted to jump, I think it was something like 18 London buses at Wembley mm-hmm. Stadium and missed and the whole motorcycle came like tumbling on top of him and he literally landed at the feet of Frank Gifford who was there for ABC Sports to call it. Wow. And he refused to like let them even though he had like, you know, busted his spleen and had like internal bleeding and all this stuff, he insisted on standing up giving a speech to the London crowd, thanking them for coming, and then walking out <laughs> of the arena. He, wow. was a, he was an insurance salesman before he became a, uh, a uh, stunt guy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and quit in the insurance world because he was very good at it and was upset that he hadn't got a promotion to vice president. So he did as you, not, as you normally do, go from the world of business to the world of his first, what his first stunt was, was attempting to jump over a uh, box of a twenty-foot-long box of rattlesnakes and two mountain lions, <laughs> which sounds exactly like something out of that Andy Samberg movie a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, the hot rod. Yeah, yeah, hot rod. Um, just somebody who, and we hear him talk when you heard him talk about doing the stunts and why he did it. Yes, he did it because there was money there, absolutely. But it 
felt like he was also doing it for some sort of visceral the thrill of accomplishing it yeah you know he had that kind of test fighter pilots sort of will to try and do something that no one has ever done before Mm -hmm. and he set a bunch of world records in his day some of them lasted for decades Hmm. so it wasn't a dozen dozen rattlesnakes in one line a dozen (laughs) rattlesnakes in a line and and a panther (laughs) he just started mixing in different large cats at the end a lynx (laughs) exactly so he has them all and those kids who were in those school buses when he jumped over looked up to him like a hero. <laughs> Literally looked at Literally. him as he was flying over his head. Mm-hmm. Jeff, were you, are you, I, 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 I remember the tail end of Evil King Evil. Yeah, I remember You're seeing him You're a few years older than me. So was it like a, a mania or was it just like, oh, here's I, this crazy guy who's going to break all his bones again? I demanded, I, I was not ever, um, I was, raised with a lot of love but not that much money and we didn't really get as kids to demand whatever toys or whatever we wanted but i needed to have the steve austin um six million dollar man doll and i needed to have the evil knievel uh, motorcycle thing. the one that you like you like pulled the little yeah like thing and it took off yeah yeah it was a piece record. of crap piece of crap it crashed just as much as he did um but <laughs> i do as a kid remember playing evil knievel if i got on a bike you wanted to be evil knievel and then I also remember thinking he was a combination, as an adult, I think he was almost a combination of Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker. <laughs> he, was the, right. uh, he was the the show pony, and he was the jockey who was whipping it at the same time, uh, who also had the imagination to think of all this just larger-than-life stuff that it was almost like these split personality where whoever yes. whoever was that thought up all this stuff had no concern for the the mortal coil of evil so, and evil because it he, just happened and it just happened to be that it was him yeah not all this stuff yeah like, absolutely yeah. i think he also knew that he that he had a very qualified pharmacist who was going to give him all the drugs he wanted before he got on that motorcycle so if he felt that landing i would be very surprised but Apparently, yeah Apparently he uh, was hated the Hell's Angels, and in fact got into a fight after one of his stunts at the Cow Palace in uh, near San Francisco. Oh, where, wow. it's a shame! It's a shame that uh, in the in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame they're right next to each other. Yeah, it's that ironic. Apparently one of them threw either a wrench or possibly a soda can at him, so him yeah. and a bunch of the a bunch of the fans turned on him and sent like five of the Hell's Angels to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a tough guy. Amazing. The, have you seen this film where the icon of masculinity, George Hamilton, <laughs> portrays Evil Knievel um, in this film? But sure. uh, it's fun in how it kind of mixes together the um, the different uh, – some of the stunt footage with the stuff filmed for it. But uh, below is a transcript of the monologue. Important people in this country, celebrities like myself – Elvis, Frank Sinatra, John Wayne, we have a responsibility. There are millions of people that look at our lives, and it gives theirs some meaning. So uh, that's pretty tough. The only thing left to us is a choice about our death, and mine will be glorious. Oh, that's awesome. Well, he died of like a pulmonary disease. So. Yeah, that's glorious. The, how, the glory of pulmonary disease. You know, also, uh, John Derrick, amazing badass. Just like the world-class 
babe hound. Yeah. Because, and he had three women that looked exactly alike between um, Bo Derek, Linda Evans, and the third was um, in the Bond, uh, Bond film, like Dr. No. Um, oh, or Ursula Andrus. Ursula Andrus. They, they, all these women looked almost identical. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a great pick. Great pull. Great pull. Uh, you know, the jumpsuit needs to make a comeback because so much badass stuff happened in the jumpsuit. I, I believe I believe former guest Chapin Hazlitt still ha- may still have he has oh wow. any his evil evil jumpsuit. That's that's we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to do some more research on that. Yes, yes. Winfield. Uh, my third choice is the one that kind of co-sponsored my thought for this, and it was um, the character of Leonard Smalls, also known as the Bounty Hunter, played oh, by I Randall Tex Cobb in Raising Arizona. <laughs> nice. And a few weeks ago, I was watching this movie, and, you know, uh, he rumbles into this movie like this thing out of hell. And I think H.I. McDi- McDonough is, like, literally talking about this fever dream that he has about this thing that has been created that comes out of the darkness to steal the child. Yeah. And he is just this leather-clad uh, uh, motorcycle bounty hunter man that is just grizzled and his face is ruined with scars and age and bearded and the worst thing you've ever seen um and he's just such an imposing force in this movie and he's just like the the toughest fucking thing you've ever seen and it's just like man i need to talk about this guy for like three and a half minutes <laughs> and get it all out and all my feelings of god how impressive this this guy is and then to realize oh yeah he was also like in real life this gigantic heavyweight boxer of a man that was just like a boxer and professional boxer and kickboxer yeah. and was just like then decided to get into movies and acting and is like oh what a great transition mm-hmm. yeah Randall Te- those... go, oh, ahead, go ahead I was going to say Randall Tex Cobb from a to, to throw my sports knowledge in here was definitely known more for a guy as a guy who could take a punch versus mm. give a punch. Mm-hmm. And in fact, his fight against uh, Larry Holmes for the title back in 8081, I think it was, was the fight that got Howard Cosell so disgusted with boxing that he quit uh, broadcasting the sport because Cobb just took like an absolute beating and the referee wouldn't stop the fight. And Tex Cobb was too tough to go down. So he just basically got pummeled by Larry Holmes for 15 rounds. Well, that saved yeah. on all the makeup they had to do for um, raising Arizona, you know, yeah. seven years later. Just they just like, right look, yeah. he, just, he just looks exactly like he's been beat by Larry Holmes for 15 rounds. Uh, I, as uh, this was my first, I saw this in the theaters and me and some high school um, lovable idiots. Um, I think we had some beers in the car and it was one of those things where the movie just timed out. Like this was the movie we were going to see just because it was going to start. Then there was no Coen brothers in popular entertainment yeah, then. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, this is the trippiest shit with banjo and yodeling. And it was like the closest thing I'd seen to a Warner brothers cartoon in a long time. And, uh, I remember noticing speaking of cartoon characters, Woody Woodpecker is on a tattoo on both high and Leonard. Yeah. I, I love that, that link of humanity 
yeah. between them. Like he's carrying like, these baby boots as well, mm-hmm. like these bronze baby boots. And then uh, uh, the Nick Cage accidentally reveals the wood with a Woody Woodpecker uh, tattoo, and he's just like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, like that one that one little aspect of humanity was revealed on this monster that they have this same magic goofy tattoo. Yeah. And it's just, he just gives him the beating of his life right then and there too. Yeah. It said um, that they tried to write Leonard Smalls as an evil character, not from their imagination, but one that High would have thought up, which is kind of an interesting aspect of it. He seems scary, but scary to a guy like Nicolas Cage uh, versus somebody out of the the erudite Cohen's um, point of view. So that's fun. Fun choice. Fun choice. Yeah, I think I saw Randall Tex Cobb on Letterman. And boy, howdy. <laughs> that was a long, long segment. <laughs> Seeing Letterman trying to trying to get him to just say something. It was, <laughs> he was just breathing, just heavy, just sweating. <laughs> he managed to start, start bleeding at some point for no <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, your last one, Manfredi. My last one is Tonga Uli Uli Fafita. Otherwise oh. known in the pro wrestling world um, from his time in the WWF as Haku. Oh. Uh, or from WCW when he was known as Ming. Okay. So there are these, they call shoot videos in the wrestling world, which are basically, I mean, they take former wrestlers, managers, people in the business, and they interview them for a couple hours about what really went on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And they're all depending who depending on who's telling the stories, they can be kind of interminable or extremely entertaining. Uh, one thing that these videos all have in common is at some point they ask the person, "Who was the toughest guy that you ever dealt with in wrestling?" To a man, they will say Haku. Oh, he was uh, Bill. He was from from Tonga, so he was kind of. Build as one of those like some wild I think is like those wild Samoan types. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just give you a couple of the stories of of Haku. Uh, one of them, Bobby Heenan tells a story about how he saw uh, a bar fight where Meng literally took his middle and index finger, put it into a guy's mouth, and ripped out his two bottom teeth. <laughs> No, you need those for eating. <laughs> and he was like, look, if I, would, I wouldn't have believed it if I, if I didn't see it. And then, of course, went on and say, yeah, but he was a really nice guy, though. Real family guy. <laughs> uh, there's another one. There was a, a fight at, a, at the airport bar in, in Baltimore, you know, where all the bar fights happen. Yeah. Where uh, some of the local, so some of the drunks uh, decided to start accosting him and a fellow wrestler about wrestling being fake. So Haku decides to go, well, I'll show you, reached over and bit the guy's nose off, <laughs> like clean <laughs> off. Um, uh, would, there's just I mean, all these, of these. These are assault charges that are needed to be, <laughs> needed to be but yeah. he was, but he was <laughs> a good against this monster. But Michael, he was a good guy, a family man. Did you not hear <laughs> oh, that never, part? Never mind then. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, apparently, he was one of two people that Andre the Giant would not mess with. Um, wow, the other one being Harley Race, for the record. If you're somebody who the seven foot five inch, five hundred fifty pound literal giant is going to leave alone, you're like a tough guy. Yeah. 
What uh, is there a famous match for him? Was he ever a Royal Rumble guy or anything like that? No, he was never. He was always kind of a second tier kind of wrestler. He's him and he was him and his uh, partner were uh, known as the Islanders. Um, so he was kind of part of the the tag team title scene, but never never exactly a tag team champion. Yeah. Even though he did, I think he did win the tag team championship with Andre the Giant, ironically mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. Um, from Demolition. Yeah, uh, but was never a breakout solo star on his own. Was probably considered to be more of a quote-unquote good hand in the ring than anything uh-huh. else. Uh-huh. Was he? Um, did he have a shtick? Did he speak in a dialect? Did he have all that kind of stuff, or was he just incidentally Asian? But that wasn't <laughs> theatricalized. I mean, it wasn't um, like. Again, his first his first main uh, tag team was called the Islanders. Oh, this okay. was WWF in the mid you know mid to late eighties. Mm-hmm. Not exactly known for their cultural. Uh, yeah. Cult- cultural knowledge and, and, and awareness. Yeah. So they were basically you know they would come in in their hula skirt you know grass skirts and wrestle in bare feet and yeah. They had to be portrayed as these like wild Islanders. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of his character was Samoan, even mm-hmm. though he was from Tonga. Mm-hmm. It was the colossal connection that yes. was uh, Andre the Giant in Haku. Colossal connection. <laughs> Pretty good. Hmm. Winfield, what's your final choice? I do always like that, though. Sorry, I just clicked onto the colossal connection Wikipedia page. And I do like when they build like two guys at like, you know, Andre was seven foot four and Haku seven foot one and then combined weight of eight fifty two. And you know that like one guy's just really carrying the load of that combined weight. Yeah. It would be like Andre the Giant and you know, like <laughs> our friend Scott Jones. It's like combined weight of seven hundred and twelve pounds. You're like, Yeah, I know who the hundred and thirty two pounds of that is. It's like Albert Einstein and Jeff Hopkins with a combined <laughs> IQ. Of 200. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I mean, he was. Haku didn't appear to be a small man by any means, but he was no. Um, no you know, nobody, nobody is Andre. Winfield, your final choice, please. My, my last choice was the. Um, I think pound for pound on screen, the most badass um, female character to screen time that has been uh, in the movies, and that is um, Private Vasquez. Uh, in oh, the movie nice. Aliens, oh fun! Um, played by um, Jeanette Goldstein, who I guess the story of her getting hired to the movie was she went to audition for a movie called Aliens, um, and she's being American but of um, uh, Hispanic descent. Uh, thought it was about illegal immigration, so she went in like dressed in like a, a nice skirt and was very bubbly and didn't know that it was to play like this super badass <laughs> tough, tough <laughs> character. <laughs> um, but her appearance in that movie really kind of set like a cornerstone of just uh, tough women in films in a movie that featured Sigourney Reaver in, in like, as like the most badass woman that has yeah. ever been in a uh, science fiction movie. Um she comes in and she's just from the get go uh, 
going, you know, pull up for pull up with all these other tough guy Marines and insulting them and uh, not backing down. And then, of course, she happens to be one of like the two like giant minigun specialists as part of this team that's going into find out what happened to these uh, colonists and destroying all the aliens. And she's just so incredible for such a small part in one movie that um, I, you just look at it and you're like, God, that's the fucking toughest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fuck with her. Arm wrestled Bill Paxton in one, which is pretty close to arm wrestling a, a bear. <laughs> she had like also that character had such a like great death scene of like self-sacrifice and uh going down with like the guy that she hated uh as part of the as, that she thought was a, a huge pussy uh gorman when he was introduced she was like oh this is just some uh some bureaucratic asshole and of course them two paired up at the end as they blow themselves up to take down some aliens uh-huh. as you know yeah, it's just good. It's just good. Badass right? death. Right? Yeah, but badass death and self-sacrifice, and um, mm-hmm. you know, to when you see other characters, I think there was um, I'm gonna fuck it up. I think it was like a Resident Evil movie that had a character that was very much like her, but it's like it was a little too on the nose. Now I'm gonna have to look that up, and uh, we can all edit this out. No, we're not. We'll leave it in. Um, but yeah, I just thought, uh, uh, her name was really... Mas- Masquez, <laughs> Sergeant Masquez. Uh, yeah, just thought what an incredibly tough character. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, well, I, I'm the toughest guy. I'm like the toughest guy cause I've got the toughest decision to choose from among those Amazing options. Man, Freddie, you had the most testosterone, I think in yours, honestly. Well, you know, Teddy Roosevelt himself has enough testosterone for everybody, but dig the the lineup uh, you put in there. You got an athlete, you got a soldier, uh, you got a wrestler as another athlete, I guess. Uh, so yeah, all that um, was really really cool. Um, we've got uh, politicians in both of our lists, so that's pretty neat. Um, we've got guys who go into the ring, that's sort of pretty cool. Um, Michael has a character from cinema. Um, Due to some of the cool insight you gave, I'm going to choose Evil Knievel because I really dig that. And Private Vasquez because girl power, because women are tough. And I didn't know some of that smack about um, Leonard Smalls, um, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Randall Tex Cobb. So I'm going to choose that. And what the heck? Let's give one for um, um, old Chucky Bronson. So um, those are the Mount Rushmore. I, I hear them being etched into the Mount Rushmore of tough guys. Oh, By the way, con- there. congratulations, you guys, for fa- for not making the Simpsons reference about Charles Bronson about Bronson. Oh, I was, I, I was on we, the edge the yeah, entire no time. I was just, could, I was sitting on it. It was awful. There was no way we could work it in. But <laughs> so our apologies, you guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, I hope you join us again next week for another episode. I hope you join us out on the uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for uh, the commentary. This has been the Mount Rushmore of Like the Toughest Guys. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. Michael. 